0: for the persecutor.
1: Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton with Tom and Joanne Doyle. They are back to talk about a new book, Women Who Risk, Secret Agents for Jesus in the Muslim World. Uh, we're going to talk about this book. You are going to want to get a copy of this book and read it Uh, Tom and Joanne, welcome back
2: to Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
3: Oh, great to be with you again. Thank you, Todd.
2: It's always a joy. Thank you so much, Todd.
1: They are also the founders of a ministry called Uncharted. You can find their website, unchartedministries.com. I would encourage you to visit that. Tom and Joanne, this is a book about women from the Muslim world who are following Jesus it's it's quite an incredible collection of stories but but i want to start out with the idea that it's about women why why is it so significant that jesus is reaching women mm. in the muslim world and then that they in turn are becoming his ambassadors, his mm-hmm. representatives. Why Why is that so significant in that mm-hmm. cultural context?
3: Well, you know, uh, after about 25 years of working in the Middle East, we had this big aha moment where we were talking about the movements we were seeing in countries and with unreached people groups. And it seemed to always start with the women. And Joanne, just this this sentence came out of her mouth. And I thought, that's exactly it. And Joanne, you said this, right?
2: Yeah, I just noticed, took us a while, you know, 20 plus years to recognize (laughs) that women are the spiritual gatekeepers. They are the spiritual influencers in their family, in their community, um, in their nation. And we actually started, you know, we noticed that we thought, well, Let's see if we see that pattern in Scripture. And of course, sure enough, we did. We can look in the Old Testament. We see you know, the Deborahs and the Abigails and the women that God rises up, honors, and uses them for His higher ways. Um, My favorite part is looking in the New Testament. We see those women that we meet them first in the Sea of Galilee area, and they're the women that follow and provide for Jesus and the disciples. They go everywhere they go, they provide for them out of their own means, which in that day and age is pretty remarkable anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we see them again at the cross. All the disciples have fled in fear, except for John, and there are those faithful women standing by Jesus' side at his most agonizing moment. Then the next place we see them again is two day, three days after Jesus... Um, died and was buried and there are those women taking those spices men are still hiding in fear they're taking those anointing spices to the tomb and they're the ones that discover that jesus is alive And we're noticing that same pattern today. Remember those women run back and tell Mm -hmm. the men, the men didn't really believe them. So they ran to the tomb. And sure enough, it was true. Jesus was resurrected. And we see that same thing in the Muslim world. More often than not, it is the women who first come to find that Jesus is alive. And they go back and tell their family, their loved ones, who he is, more than just a prophet, the son of God
1: you know i think about the some of the studies that have been done if if a girl goes to school and gets an education how that affects the family how it affects the generations following her there's a spiritual aspect to that too obviously that as you reach muslim women you're affecting the generations after them tom you've you've written books before on your own now this book is by tom and joanne doyle First, how was that different in the writing process of this is not just you, now now it's a partnership? Yeah.
3: Well, you know, Joanne has been involved in really all the books. In fact, she was such an encourager in there and giving input all the time. I was always stumped on things and would go to her. But as we started talking about this, women are the spiritual gatekeepers of their families. Joanne had the stories. I mean, it's I go and see the men when we're out there. Uh She's with the women. And the stories just started— coming out. And these are real people. This is not fiction. It reads like fast-paced fiction. But these are real women that, when they came to faith in Christ, you talk about a 180 in the darkness, ready to go and risk to their families. They know that it could mean their death. Ultimately, it could. But they're willing to risk. They they are. i uh, they are like secret agents. I kind of borrowing from my dad, FBI agent, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sp- special special agent background, but r- really undercover. When you look at women in the Muslim Middle East, who would suspect them of being a gospel mm-hmm. force? That's right. They don't have the rights that men do. Uh, actually, their middle school boys have more rights than they do. But yet, they are spreading the gospel fearlessly.
1: And. It's interesting how God uses some of the cultural mores to make that happen. They're supposed to cover their faces, <laughs> so right. so you can't tell who they are. Uh, so how do you know if it's a Christian woman or a not Christian woman? Is it her, you can only see her eyes. So and they're using that. And and you mentioned Saudi Arabia. There there are stories in the book of how God is moving in Saudi Arabia, the the guardian of Islam's holy sites, as as they promote themselves. Jesus Christ is appearing. Jesus Christ is having mm. disciples, growing disciples inside Saudi Arabia. Just it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And there are times where reading a book is a worship experience, and, and mm-hmm. I had that experience with this book because Aww. you just read the story, and it's like, Lord, thank you thank for you. what you're doing. Yes. Thank, this is amazing. This is great. Praise the Lord that that He is moving mm-hmm. in those situations. There are some times in the book where. You, as the, as the storyteller, as the narrator, you kind of step back and just let these women talk. Why is that so powerful to hear Mm -hmm. directly from them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well,
2: one thing I would say about that, first of all, hearing that you said um, that it brought you, reading this book brought you at times to worship, that is such an answer to prayer for Tom and I. That has been our heart's desire, that people would be encouraged, draw closer to the Lord through reading these true stories. But, you know, why was it so important to give these women a voice? Because they typically don't have a voice. Their life is back in the shadows. Typically, they have no say in anything. So that was one of our heart's desire, to give them their voice, to speak the message that God has written on their hearts.
3: And we can learn so much from them in the body of Christ because immediately they are serving. I mean, we say this all the time now at Uncharted. Reach the Muslim woman, reach the Muslim world. Really, they are the key. And being around women that have sewn Bibles into their hijabs and smuggled them into Saudi Arabia, (laughs) fearlessly. Um, You know, our team just trained 39 from um, Saudi Arabia, and they came out. They wanted to do church planning. Most of them are women. Our leaders asked them, by the way, none of you knew each other before. How did you come to Jesus? Do you know 39 out of 39? Todd said it was all first. A dream, a mm-hmm. high-definition dream wow. of Jesus. And they wow. started searching. Their husbands were at work. They got on the Internet. They met with people. They found Jesus that way. So they have a lot to say to
1: us. I mean, that's part of what leads me to worship is just hearing God's doing this. I mean, <laughs> he's he's not waiting for us. He's not waiting for anything. He is actively Appearing, showing yes. himself in in the Middle East, showing himself in the Muslim world. Joanne, you talked about the fact that that Muslim women within the culture don't have a voice.
0: Right?
1: How much of a light bulb moment is it when when they understand Jesus loves mm-hmm. you, Jesus died for you as a, you're a woman. Jesus died for you personally. Right? How how much of a Paradigm shift is that for someone who has come up in a system where they are Mm. a possession, that they are not a person really?
2: It is a complete flip flop. So, these women, most of them, we can't say 100%, but most of them have never experienced unconditional love. So then they have this dream of Jesus. And one of the first things they'll tell us that they hear from him is that Jesus tells them, I love you often using their name. So it's very intimate. Mm -hmm. It's very personal. They're not afraid. And and that's another thing that's interesting. These women will say, for the first time, I was not afraid to be in the presence of a man. And so when they feel that unconditional love for the first time and recognize that He is for them, not against them, oh my gosh. And then, of course, they discover a Bible or Mm -hmm. they find a believer and they understand more of who really Jesus is. Not a prophet, but the son of God and the Savior of the world. And then they realize Jesus is answering their prayers. He's listening to them. Not only do they have a voice, he's hearing what they're saying. And so now these women have this beautiful, holy boldness has been birthed within them. Now, you know, they are willing to chance it all, to die for Jesus, if that's what it takes, because for the first time internally, they have peace, they have joy, they have hope, they have the fruit of the Spirit welling up in them. So these women then have this holy boldness. And I like holy boldness because it's completely different than regular old boldness. (laughs) You know, regular old boldness can be cloaked a little bit in self-assurance or pride or arrogance or what have you, and it can be a little forceful. But holy boldness totally different. Mm-hmm. It's cloaked in the fruit of the Spirit. It represents the one they are trying to show to others, and that is Jesus. So they're bold, but it's a confident boldness really birthed in love and, you know, a winsomeness. Mm-hmm. So these women truly are a force, a spiritual force to be reckoned with.
1: And as the book tells the stories, they are reaching some places where— really nobody else could reach. Uh, I mean, I think of, you know, the refugee camps where oh. they are working and and they understand fully what it means to be a refugee because they are one, Right. Uh, but they have now met Jesus Christ. Uh, I think of, uh, there's a story in the book from Mecca, from mm-hmm. the, the the holiest place in all of Islam. And did any of them have a little bit of hesitation about, you know, yes, I'm doing this and yes, it's great work. Maybe we shouldn't write a book about it because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not sure I want everyone to know what I'm doing. Good yeah.
3: question. Well, they are protected and have cover names for sure. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I think what, when when you get a Bible in their hands and they can contrast the Quran and the Bible, mm-hmm. for instance, mm-hmm. all Muslims believe that Ishmael is the founder of the religion. Ishmael, they go back to Abraham. Ishmael is their line, not Isaac. That's the Jewish line. Who's the mother of Ishmael? Hagar. Well, she is not even named in the Quran. Well, contrast that with how she is in the Bible, where she actually fled to the desert and had a personal encounter, a mm-hmm. pre-New Testament right. visit of Christ. And he even allows her to give him a name, the God who hears, the God who sees. So when Muslim women read that, they feel honored, exalted. Mm-hmm. But the The Mother of Ishmael is not even named in the Quran I mean there's a history there, and you can see why the religion tries to avoid the history and just power through it. But once they see the evidence and then start to serve Christ, our leaders just field these. Women that and our women train them and meet with them and and we get stories a lot. It it was hard to narrow them down, but but these are <laughs> like our nice problem. To have. <laughs> yeah, these are. And so did you in your book. You know, where right? faith is forbidden. Terrific stories. You could write a hundred of them. Right. You really could, and we could too. And so we just prayed. And who do we include in this? And we just felt there was a logical pro- progression in the book, but taught at the end. You know, the last time, and you know this from the publisher, they sent it back, read it one more time and check, check, check. And we read through it. And both Joanne and I, we cried at every story. We had tears in our eyes. We know how the story turns right. out. <laughs> we wrote it. Yeah. We know them, right? But it just touched our heart. And uh-huh. so that moment of worship, I think worship is when God really touches your heart. Mm-hmm. We experienced that too. We're we're honored to know them.
1: Uh-huh. Truly. And uh, and honored to be able to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, my a, goodness, what a yes. privilege it is to be able to share these yes. stories.
2: Yes. And they are such humble women. They have this beautiful, holy boldness, but they are so humble. So when we've told them and asked them, you know, can we share your story? We'll change, you know, your name. We'll change some of the pertinent details of location just for your protection. But they are so honored, and they want people to uh-huh. know their story. They're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. They recognize it is the power unto salvation. And their prayer is that others would find Jesus through their encounter with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Joanne, you mentioned answered prayer. And there is story after story after story in the book of where uh, there is answered prayer. The the one that immediately comes to my mind is the last story from Saudi Arabia, with Katie. Uh, where mm-hmm. the, the Christian mm-hmm. prays for her Muslim friend that that Jesus will speak to her.
3: Yeah. Katie Khadijah is from Mecca, and her friend Amina who um, was not religious at all, but covered Muslim, have to be there, and saw Katie's fanaticism for Islam, and then all of a sudden they're having coffee. What has happened? And Katie just spills it. And Amina Amina is toning her down. We we live in Mecca. You can't talk about these things (laughs) openly openly, here.
1: whispering. Someone's going
3: to hear it. And the conversation goes on, and she talks to Amina about, and Jesus came to me. He personally came to me, and mm-hmm. I mean, it just can't handle it. So she just really confronts her. What would it take for you to even consider? Well, I guess if Jesus appeared to me in a dream, then then I I might look into this, you know? And, and so Katie prays for her and says, I'm praying that it happens tonight. And she kept her phone on.
2: And she said, call me. Call yeah. me. If you see Jesus in your dream tonight, call me and wake me up. I want to know.
3: She wakes up in the morning and— Her phone hasn't rung, and she's just disappointed. She walks down to breakfast, and her mom says, boy, Amina called this morning. She said she was trying to call you all last night. (laughs) What? And she calls, Amina, what happened? And she said, he came to me. He, He was there. Jesus came to me. Now we've got something to work with. This is not her just sharing, well, this religion, and here's what happened to me. She had a Jesus encounter. Mm-hmm. That that gets the attention. Right. right, Joanne? Oh,
2: my gosh. And we all know Jesus. He is love. He is, he is everything personified, everything that the Word of God says he is. And to see him, you know, one thing I have to say, all of us as believers, wouldn't we love to have a dream about Jesus? Oh, yeah. To see him mm-hmm. brilliantly shining in white and telling us he loves us. I've never had a dream like that, but he is appearing to Muslims and I think one of the reasons is cuz we're so afraid of them for the most part and they are so desperate for truth. But anyway, all that to say, how do you not how do you turn your back on right. Jesus when there he is in your dreams and you know it's a dream from Jesus because it doesn't fade over time. Mm-hmm. It gets almost more more clarity comes as time goes on as opposed to it kind of you know, fading away as the day goes on. And so these women and men who have these dreams of Jesus, they know it was from him.
1: Yeah. The other thing that comes out in that story and, and in several of the other stories as well is just how quickly the people around the new believer see mm-hmm. you are way different. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Something is different about you. That's what right. is going on? There is a story in the book about a woman's husband who actually met Jesus first before she did, he was a terrible person (laughs) for one thing. And, And when she saw him after his encounter with Christ, she instantly thought, Something's going on here. What is different? Can you share yeah. a little bit more about that Yes. Story? Yes. That okay. Story.
2: This story is crazy. And oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So we met this sweet couple in Lebanon, though they are refugees from Syria. And Mohammed is his name. And, you know, every other man in the Middle East is named <laughs> Mohammed. But Mohammed, um, sadly, we used to beat his wife constantly, Dina always um sometimes she would black out she hated him so much she wanted to kill him she didn't just want a divorce she wanted yeah. to kill him
1: planning. and and was she, literally making plans of yes, how she could do this she
2: totally was and so you would think Jesus would appear to her
1: right but and he say, didn't don't kill your husband yeah. Yeah. yeah and that
2: she would have an encounter with Christ that he would see how <laughs> oppressed she was and beaten she was but that's not what happened Jesus appeared to her husband but one part we failed to leave out is that Muhammad there's this what is it called and muta um, or siga there's this term where men can have temporary wives so they're allowed to have four wives at one time in islam but they can also have a temporary wife and it can be for a month a year an hour it's really just legalized prostitution and they need to have a you know document signed by an imam or a sheikh or something and so mohammed did that and he had 66 other wives if you can imagine, and kept track of all of these. It was like kind of a notch in his belt. I have another. I have another. He would flaunt that. So just a hateful man. But Mohammed does come to faith in Jesus, and he is utterly transformed by the presence of Christ in his life.
1: Well, the the other part of the story is he was involved in the Syrian civil war right. and was. and they got separated through that and she thought he had been killed. And was hoping that. And they. was kind of happy about it. <laughs> That's like, right. Oh, this, I didn't have to kill him myself. The this, the war killed him. So great. I'm I'm free from this man now. And then he shows up but he's different.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it was amazing as we hear this story Todd, one of our national leaders is translating from Arabic. And when Muhammad says, I had 66 wives, we don't hear that because it's in Arabic and our leader just goes, whoo, (laughs) whoa. And then he says, what a creep he was. He was terrible. He had 66 wives and tells the story. So if I'm Jesus in heaven Mm -hmm. and I'm looking for people to To reach reach out to, I would probably go to his wife, just like you said. Mm -hmm. What a dramatic Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm. conversion. And then he goes to his wife and says, "Jesus forgave me. I'm sorry for everything I did. Will you forgive me?" And she said, "Jesus forgave your sins?" And he said, "Yes, all of them." And she said, "Well, how convenient is that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose you think I'm going to forgive you? Never. It's never going to happen. I wanted to kill you. I wanted to kill you. But the story goes on. Jesus is not finished with both of them.
1: And one of the things and you talk about it in in telling their story in the book is is watching them now. Oh
2: my goodness,
1: yes. And I know in that part of the world, that this is not a common thing to to see a couple where you just are like, man, they are crazy about each Mm -hmm, other. (laughs) mm -hmm. That's not typical in in Muslim marriages. It's not typical in that part of the world for it to be sort of overt. How does that play with the people around them who are Mm. like... And again, it's one of those things where I'm sure people are saying what happened to you guys?
2: (laughs) Right, because it's not only an individual transformation, Mm -hmm. it's now it's a marriage transformation. Mm -hmm. But Dina had to, first of all, come face to face with her own sin. She realized, yeah, he sinned. It was easy to see his. But then as time went on and she saw that he was now all of a sudden not beating her, but serving her, helping do the dishes. So as she saw that transformation, the Holy Spirit started convicting her of her own sin, the hate, the unforgiveness, all of that. So when she finally comes to faith in Christ, which again, another exciting part of the story, but to answer your question, now all of a sudden, not only do they have a love for Christ, they have a love for each other. And she said the most beautiful thing. She said one time, Mohammed told her, Dina, I love you, only you. And only Christ could do that after Mm -hmm. all he had experienced Mm -hmm. and the ick he had been through. Mm -hmm. And so now they carried not only a a common joy, but a common affection. And you will see them occasionally kind of tap each other's shoulder, a little peck on the cheek, which we we can see that here in America or in the West, but definitely not there.
3: Yeah, yeah. You don't do PDA in the Middle East, physical display of affection. And the love they have for each other. And even the way
2: they look at each other. I mean, just it's precious. Salvation.
3: And then reconciliation, where mm-hmm. God makes things not just new, new and better than they ever were. They didn't have that kind of a marriage when they first got married.
2: And another interesting part about Muhammad, for all the evil that he was just cloaked in, and he carries a gentleness about him now. you You look at him and you just see that he's got a calm gentleness. Again, only the Spirit of God could have birthed that in him.
1: Tom and Joanne Doyle have been sharing just a few of the stories from their latest book, Women Who Risk Secret Agents for Jesus in the Muslim World. I hope you'll get a copy and learn more about some of the courageous women who are making such a difference for Jesus in places like Lebanon and Syria and Saudi Arabia and
0: Iran. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them, and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of VOMOZ Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.